and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Art with Chris Things. Gents, we've made it up to, what is this, I don't even know, episode 9 maybe? Uh, either way, this is a, a very special one that you've chosen to uh, download to your ear holes today, because uh, this is the, the highly anticipated return of our Wrestling Art Curator episodes. Yeah, the ones where we talk to rad wrestling artists that are not named Chris Things about their wrestling art, about their practice, um, uh, about their sort of thoughts on this whole thing, why they do it, all that kind of gas, and man, this is a bloody good one. Uh, this week, you probably already know from the episode description, but Jonathan McBurney uh, is, is on the show, just a ridiculously talented artist, um, you know, writer, comic book art dude, uh, dude has done lots of solo shows, uh, published in all sorts of fancy shit, um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm just so stoked, uh, to have, have gotten the opportunity to chat with, um, so, so more of that later, but, um, I'm just so bloody happy with, uh, with that, uh, just a, a, a lovely, um, conversation about a bit more of like the philosophical side of of uh, wrestling art and what it can be and the different themes and and all of that and how it sort of fits into sort of like the the you know genre of, of fine art I guess um but yeah super fun stuff and and uh, interesting listen so I hope you guys enjoy that uh, I also hope you guys had a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're just coming out of, uh, of bloody Christmas the other day. I uh, hope uh, you guys all had a very, very lovely time, a nice break. Um, I uh, had, you know, I'm still, still trying to do my art things and, and keep this stuff to a regular schedule, so things have been a little bit hectic, but that's okay, that's okay. I... <laughs> I have a fun little little story for you, actually. So, um, last week there was a a, um, a Christmas themed art show that I was invited to to take part in, um, and you know I I think a big part of my approach to my art practice is uh, say no to nothing, right? Uh, I think that's that's a great way to to grow, um, a great way to you know continue to challenge yourself and all that kind of stuff. So no regrets there, but maybe on this occasion that approach didn't work out to a very ideal degree because um so uh, I was invited to this show. Uh, never never done a show for this person before, um and uh, but you know I I think there's something that's a big compliment to your work when you just have someone say hey you know I've been uh, following your work for for a while uh really impressed with your stuff man I've I've got a an art space that I'm setting up looking to do some some art exhibitions would absolutely love to have you as part of it and and what are you gonna say to that 
you know, other than, yeah, I'm bloody be tickled pink to be part of that. Um, so I, I say yes to this, um, and um, um, painting up a piece specifically for this art show. Um, this uh, piece uh, in, in question is uh, actually one... Um, that I found a really fun photo uh, that uh, was posted um, on on um, Twitter uh, by uh, Rob Rob Viper I think uh, rad rad follow that would recommend that guy uh, but this amazing picture of uh, Lucha Libre Arena Mexico uh, mascot uh, mini icon uh, Zacarias El Perico who is a uh, a small uh, sized uh, gentleman in a uh, a parakeet mask I believe um but uh, there was a christmas themed kind of thing where he had like a, a santa hat on um and uh, uh, quite a, a small sized uh, speedo that he was wearing and he was just just stretched out on the ramp looking looking just as as guapo as a small man <laughs> creased up <laughs> Mexican wrestler can look uh, uh just a, a wonderful photo where I was like man I need to bloody do this in art form shit uh so I um yeah arted this up uh, took basically a, a full day for the most part but you know I got it done in time I was I was happy with it I think it's a really fun piece I haven't actually posted that yet um and you know if I was smart probably would have got that up before Christmas uh, but you know whatever better late than never so I'll get that up uh shortly for you guys if you'd like to check that out but I bring this along to this uh this mysterious art show um and man, I get there, and this is a setting like no art show I have seen before. It's basically in the backyard of uh, what what used to be a Asian um, grocer, <laughs> and this dude's kind of like kitted out. Uh, immediately, I got vibes of um, like rave party kind of setting. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it was kind of cool, but I was like, what, what am I doing here with a painting right now? Um, eventually, you know, dude comes up to me, uh, say a couple of hellos, uh, and it, uh, quickly becomes apparent that no one else has, uh, submitted anything, uh, painting wise of the different artists that he may have approached here. I am the only one who has a painting to be part of what appears to be a backyard rave. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, man, sometimes you just get, you're like, this isn't the vibe. This isn't the vibe for my art. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to offend people, but sometimes you just got to, you just got to leave. You just got to peace out. And, and so I just kind of took my painting and left. <laughs> I just, I mean, no offense to the dude, uh, you know, if he wants to put on some the future art shows that, that actually have other artists as part of it and a bit more of like a art show setting where people are going to maybe buy some things. So I, I don't know. I don't know. 
a unique experience that I thought would be a fun one to share with you <laughs> in the weekly life of Chris uh, Chris Things art. Oh man, so uh, safe to say that um, that piece did not sell in the show, and I've I've got the original here, looking looking all fly on my wall. Um, I I think I'll, I'll put that up on my website, and if uh, any of y'all are interested in it, uh, you may be able to procure that Chris things original for yourself. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we've got a great uh, interview here coming up. Um, so this has delayed our, our match of the week a little bit, but I'll, I'll get that up, uh, you know, I think in tomorrow perhaps, maybe maybe the next day. We'll see how we go with that. Um, but I'll have that up to you shortly. Our, uh, our one involving uh, one of my favourite matches of all time, Kenta versus Lowkey. Oh, can't miss that one. Can't miss that one. Very, very excited to talk about it. All right, guys, but thank you, and let's throw to our Wrestling Art Curator interview. And gentlemen, I am very enthused about the gentleman that I have on the line as we speak. Um, this uh, bloke is actually someone who I've uh, looked up to for quite a while um, from a, a wrestling art perspective. Um, this gentleman's an incredibly talented artist, writer, and curator. Um, someone who, to me, really defines the richness and like wide open possibility of the genre of this whole wrestling art thing for me. Um, a dude of many solo exhibitions and published in a whole variety of uh, respected periodicals and a gentleman who's even curated a wrestling art exhibition titled WrestleMania late last year at the Rockhampton Museum of Art, where he's also the currently the director. Uh, Jonathan McBurney, welcome to the show. Wow, thank you very much. Um, that's quite the introduction. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's it going, man? Very well, very well. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I, um... I, I honestly, like I said, I'm I'm just stoked to get to um to do this to to be able to have this kind of chat. Like honestly, this whole wrestling art podcast is such a self serving thing for me <laughs> in that I have this you know this interest that I feel like in my general life it it appeals to very few people in the same way you know so just getting to like share that kind of passion and and talk about this kind of stuff it's honestly just such a treat I'm very happy to be part of your support group <laughs> <laughs> that's a good good uh, definition for it I'd say <laughs> Um, so I mean, at the, the start, um, I, I mean, a good starting point, I, I kind of like to talk to people about both their art journey as well yep. as the wrestling art journey. Sure. Um, uh, so for you, where did it all start for, for each of those things? I, I know, um, I've, I've heard you mention that both of your parents are, are artists themselves. That's right. Yeah. Um, my mum and dad actually both lectured art, um, as well so I was sort of just I, I really grew up in that 
kind of context. Um, my one of my grandmothers was a commercial artist in her younger years. Uh, I, her second husband was a caricaturist. Uh, I've got a billion aunts that are either artists or art teachers or both. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, wow. it was just always around, I suppose. Um, my brother's a video editor, so he's kind of got that bug as well. Um, yeah, so it was just sort of fairly normal in my family. Um, we all seemed to grow up to be either some combination of uh, artists, teachers, or like some sort of rogue like engineer or farmer or combination hybrid <laughs> it's a very strange family <laughs> which i love that is tremendous i mean for myself as uh it's always been a mystery as to where the art leanings come from it's, it's so interesting for me to talk to someone who's like got you know basically everything was decided out of the cradle <laughs> yeah in my family um if you wanted to rebel you you became a a lawyer or <laughs> an architect or something like that, something respectable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So tell me, where did the where did the wrestling come into with this? Well, look, I was I, I'm one of those people of a particular vintage, uh, and I feel very lucky for it in that I grew up really like I was a kid during the eighties sort of golden age of, of WWF. Um, and I think mm. that in a way that was the ideal age to be around for that particular period because it was so kind of over the top and cartoonish and they really were kind of superheroes, you know, like before, like before the Tim Burton Batman film, we had Christopher Reeves and that was really about it. We had the old Adam West Batman, we had Christopher Reeves Superman. If you wanted superheroes, you, you kind of went to wrestling or cartoons. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, again, that lucky age, uh, I was a teenager when the we had the Monday Night Wars with WWF and WCW. And I think, again, being a teenager for that particular period of time was just perfect, you know. Um, you could get in on the irony, you could get in on the jokes and, and, you know, there was a lot of tongue in cheek silliness going on as well, which I really enjoyed. Um, so it was just sort of very present in my life in those formative years. Um, and later, uh, probably 20 years ago now, God, um, when I began seriously pursuing artistic practice and exhibiting and all of that sort of thing, I would find that they'd pop in to my work from time to time, um, particularly your kind of your kind of icons, I guess you could call them, of wrestling, the ones that people recognise even if they're not into wrestling. Um, they'd be really good kind of touchstones for people to connect with your work. Um, but it was it was more recent that I kind of got into wrestling in a deeper way in terms of self-expression. Um, uh, tw actually, 20 years ago this year, was it this year? Yeah, 20 years ago this year, um, I was diagnosed with leukemia. So I had quite a, quite a big year of, of treatment and all of that sort of thing. 
sorry to go into such a long story, but no, no, that... please. This is the stuff I, I live for. Like find the people's you know personal stories. This this is the the good stuff. So please, please. So that that um, unfortunately led into uh, a, a hip condition um, called avascular necrosis. One of the drugs uh, basically broke down the hip joint, um, my, my right hip joint. And so what that led into was a sort of, uh, I mean, there was pain right from, you know, been dealing with some level of pain since age 20 or 21 related to that. Um, but in the last five years or six years, it, it really started to get fairly profoundly difficult, um, just to get around and, you know, toward the end, I was using a uh, uh, walking stick and plenty of painkillers and all of that oh, sort of wow. stuff. And it, it was during that period that I, it, coincidentally, I sort of just, I was getting really sick of a lot of sort of superhero-y stuff. You know, it's just, you know, I grew up on it and I do love it. I love comics, you know, mm. obsessed with comics. But a lot of the kind of the Marvel films and all of that, it's really kind of for me, it's it's sapped a lot of the enjoyment out of it because we're getting a lot of very samey, samey kind of product and it just feels so commercial. Oh, man, preaching um, to the choir there. <laughs> so that kind of coincided with me looking for something that I could speak to my own experience with. And, you know, it was at that time I was I was just – starting to really look back and look at, okay, why were these things so fascinating? What, what is it about wrestling that is so bizarre and unique and captivating? And um, apart from the art form that it is, and I do, I do consider wrestling an art form rather than a sport or an entertainment. But beyond that, you know, getting into the stories of the wrestlers and the self-medication and the injuries and this kind of crazy psychology behind it, um, it became sort of a, a neat way of speaking about my own experience without actually speaking about my experience. Um, right. I'm not one for straight autobiography myself. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not really comfortable doing, say, a self-portrait or, you know, woe be unto me kind of stuff. But... Um, Hey, if it's uh, Andre the Giant, I can. I'm absolutely happy to to go there. You know, so yeah. it sort of <laughs> it provided a way of speaking about some things that were at that time particularly difficult for me. Um, like I, I look back now at the last maybe two or three years of pain medication, and it was just like, ooh, you know, I'm very very happy to not have to deal with that anymore. Oh man, absolutely. That, that stuff can be a, a dangerous road for sure. For sure. And, you know, uh, to get to the end of that story, uh, I actually had my hip replaced uh, March last year, um, about a week after, actually it was three days after we, we launched Rockhampton Museum of Art to the public. <laughs> I was like, okay, see you later. I'll, I'll be back in three weeks with my new hip. Wow. <laughs> so it was quite the uh, whirlwind. Man, that um, that, I, was that a time of, of I mean, kind of 
I guess that was something you've been working up to quite a while. My uh, my ex girlfriend actually had a, a similar thing where she had uh, um, her hip uh, replaced, and I know that the journey up to that point, and then when she finally got it done, I, I think it was quite a a, a big moment for her mm. of, of almost like celebration, as much as absolutely. it's a difficult thing. So how was that for yeah. you? Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with that. Um, it was like. I mean, not to whinge too much, but the last sort of four or five years were pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and then to suddenly wake up and even though you're hooked up to an IV and you've got, you know, you've got medication in you, there's a sort of a almost a passive pain, a static pain in the background that you you're just used to and suddenly you wake up and that's not even there and it's just like oh what a wonderful feeling and you have you haven't even stood up yet you know (laughs) you haven't even had to be on your feet for two hours which used to if I was on my feet for two hours for example doing an exhibition opening or something the next day was basically I'm out I'm I'm at home um on painkillers just to sort of recover from that it was at that stage so yeah absolutely a celebration <laughs> and um it, it's amazing how fast it it you recover from that um operation after such a long period of sort of going through the pain and all of that so it was a wonderful thing oh that's fantastic to hear um i you've mentioned about the um idea of you know if you're not necessarily comfortable or the kind of person that would you know be shouting your story from the rooftops Mm. and and being able to sort of like put that through the lens of a a wrestler i find that quite fascinating because at the end of the day that's that's kind of a big part of the art form you know it's about that sort of like almost that role-playing characters that people can kind of relate to and put them themselves into the shoes Mm. of what they're watching Mm, absolutely um you know, the art world is a funny kind of world. Um, it's, it gets the people in there have very specific ideas about what is and isn't art. And that's fine. I've got no problem with that. But I'm someone that's never particularly fit in with that. Um, I've always done comics as well and written and I, I just do whatever I feel like, really. Um, so I never quite feel like I belong to any of those worlds particularly um but that's okay <laughs> um and the rest of the thing i mean there is an element of feeling like that there's there's a bit of a misfit element or a, mm. an outsider element i find to a lot of wrestlers you sort of read about them or, or listen to interviews and things and it's always oh yeah i was you know, six feet tall when I was 10 years old or, you know, like getting teased mercilessly for being different or, you know, I wasn't good at this or, and and there's always that aspect of just being different. You know, they were either the the class nerd or they were the the troublemaker or, you know, trying to get that attention. Hmm. And I, I, I think there's, there's something of that outsider or individualist that you just can't help but that gravitate to and I think a lot of people do gravitate to that um for me too there's a sort of a I guess a physical aspect as well like um not that I'm as huge as as some of these wrestlers but you know I, I I'm six feet five or something and um 
you know, I was a, a big kid. I was taller than the other kids and, um, you know, overweight, acne, all the rest of it. Um, and man, oh man, you, you get absolutely made to suffer for being different. Um, and so, you know, uh, wrestling is something, it's like, oh, you know, there are, there are guys out there who have made a huge name for themselves and, you know, they're big, chunky, six feet five or bigger <laughs> people and, and there's something sort of, I don't know, there's something comforting in that. Um, for sure. I think you know, a massive, like, strength and power in, in seeing someone turn something that, you know, you could feel, you know, be made to feel ashamed of and then mm. someone's, like, using that as, like, a, you know, everyone's, like, fawning over, you know, like, Andre the Giant or, or whatever. Yeah, it's, you know, it, I was always fascinated by the the big the big guys, you know, like, um, I mean, obviously Andre's story is quite remarkable, but there's a whole mm. bunch of them that, um, that, you know, God, just the injuries that some of them, like I was thinking of um, Psycho Sid the other day and, oh, God, some of the injuries he went through and, Big Van Vader and oh my god! <laughs> one of the most grotesque injuries I've ever seen in my life. That that Sid one, my gosh. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I, I must have seen a YouTube clip or something, and it reminded me. And it went, oh, and and that would put you out for a year or something. I mean, that basically ended his entire career. Yeah, yeah. You know, terrible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I it's so something that you just said that that sort of um high and low culture of like the, the art world meets the wrestling thing. Mm. You know, I find it endlessly fascinating too. Mm. Um, I think what, what you mentioned as well about has been for me as well, there was always something a little bit sort of off putting about that kind of like hoity toitiness of the contemporary art scene to where I well, almost tried mm. to avoid it for, for a long time, <laughs> but it yeah. doesn't necessarily, it's not like that. Like there is we, obviously good. We have a challenge, I think, particularly in Australia, um, and that challenge is that, well, it, it, it's twofold. Part of it is that the art scene here is actually so tiny if you compare it to some of the uh, markets in America, you know, Europe, Asia. We are this tiny, tiny, tiny little speck of a market. Um, you know, we've got not a great arts infrastructure in terms of um, supporting. You're supported, I think, if you're at the upper tier blue chip and you're supported as a sort of a, a hot young emerging artist, but there's not much else that goes on. It can be a bit of a no man's land between those two areas, and that's that's partly due to the just the size of, you know, we don't have the population to support a huge art market it's just the reality of it and the other part of it is we are miles away from all of these bigger art markets um you know probably the closest are some of the the bigger markets in in you know singapore and japan places like that mm -hmm. um but it's not you wouldn't call it readily accessible and i think that has a big effect on it as well and the unfortunate side effect of that is a kind of a territorial aspect, a clannish aspect with certain uh, cliques and certain, certain. not everyone does it. I, I've met some amazingly generous and supportive artists in my time, but you do sometimes come up against a sort of a, an invisible barrier that's, um, 
you know, quite arbitrary often. Um, you know, often it's just based on um, one gallerist's taste or, oh, that's that, you know, I'm into geometric abstraction. I'm not really into figurative or I'm into figurative. I don't like, yeah, quite arbitrary taste matters. And, you know, I, I it took me a while to sort of become okay with that. Um, but, you know, I, I have a day job. Uh, I work hard at it. And um, so I don't have the pressure to to be selling in order to get by. And so I make, I make work just for me really. And um, the fact that people enjoy it and attend things I put on is a, it, it's a real compliment and I'm, I'm glad for it. I'm glad to have that platform. I think that's, that's the very best thing that possibly can exist. I, <laughs> you know, can be quite similar to where I, to basically tell people I, I make art for myself and mm. art that appeals to, to me first and foremost. Mm. And then if other people, you know, dig it, then that that's cool. And then mm. sort of, you know, I've, I've been surprised that, you know, that there are other people that kind of dig it, but I mean, sort of getting back to that kind of like contemporary art kind of scene, um, at least for myself, I, I always thought that 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 kind of um, more more lowbrow kind of stuff, more um, you know, culty or I mean, I mean, wrestling really is just lowbrow pop culture at the end of the day, you know. Um, to where I think I was a little bit uh, thinking, oh, you know, the the um, the contemporary art scene is not really the you know. The, the vibe for that kind mm. of stuff mm. so then finding other sort of like avenues um mm. to to reach an audience and and even going abroad you know i, I find mm. for me most of my business comes um from uh from america which i guess mm. isn't that much of a surprise with the popularity of um of wrestling over there but um mm. no i just find it quite an interesting thing that like merging of of you know lowbrow stuff in a in a you know especially in like a gallery kind of setting. And the thing that really intrigues me, so, so I'm interested in your thoughts on this. For me, it's always such a fun conversation. <laughs> uh, it's just the word fun um, with inverted <laughs> commas when I'll have, um, you know, people completely outside the wrestling world, you know, work colleagues or whatever, they hear that I, you know, do art. Oh, what kind of art? And I'll tell them, oh, yeah, mostly of the, uh, you know, the sweaty, bulbous men in lycra variety. <laughs> and it always is kind of either like you get a, oh, yeah, I used to know a bit about wrestling or whatever, or just like it's such a fast conversation ender. <laughs> just like that. I have no even relation point to that. Um, so, I mean, how how does that work for you? Do you have any of those kind of fun conversations on a day-to-day -day basis? <laughs> yeah, it can be quite interesting. Um, I wouldn't say a day-to-day -day basis, um, but it's an interesting one in that I, I, just thinking about what you just said, um, I wonder whether it's actually not got, I, I wonder whether it's not to do with the wrestling itself that these people suddenly switch off. I wonder whether it is actually because you are responding to something that clearly means something to you, which can be a bit of a no-no mm. in contemporary art to reveal too much of oneself <laughs> without enough screens and barriers and, and red herrings and all the rest. And I'm, I'm so guilty of that myself. Um, I wonder if it's just like, whoa, we're dealing with 
really out there, uh, challenging, bizarre concepts of masculinity, of the physical self, of gender, of the body. Whoa, I can't deal with that. I'm going back to my hard edge abstraction or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I wonder if it's right. something like that. Like it's like overloading the circuits of certain people, you know, <laughs> oh, I, you know, yeah. where's my, uh, where's my paintings of clouds or birds or where, you know, what, <laughs> what am I, you know, I need a concept, you know, I, I need a, I need an essay to t accompany this work and tell me what to think of it, you know. Um, I mean, that's quite fascinating. Yeah, people can get scared of, uh, of things that are too close or too personal. Um, in the in the art world, anyway, yeah. it's very interesting. For a world that's supposedly built on self-expression, <laughs> we can all we can all be awfully uptight with expressing those things. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess because the concept relating back to all those things that you just mentioned of of you know body image of uh, of, of masculinity of like toxic masculinity mm. of mm. um you know different cultural tropes of uh, all of this kind of interesting stuff like it's all there but i guess in a way it's a little bit beneath the surface mm. um, yeah. i mean that's i guess what what i find so interesting about like yeah i i make art of, of wrestling oftentimes, but it's more than just, you know, painting a, a, a wrestling match of whatever. It's, it's more about what that particular moment means relating mm. to this, this more murky, interesting, uh, gritty, cool stuff beneath the surface. Mm. Yeah. It's, you know, there can be a lot to it. Um, one of the, the artists that I, curated into the WrestleMania exhibition. Um, and you probably know his work, Ed Luce, um, who's a fantastic cartoonist, ah, yes. queer cartoonist. You know, we, we did a, a podcast discussing his work. <clears throat> and for him, wrestling actually took on quite a, uh, beyond his comics, it, it, it actually took on a fairly profound place in his life. He uh, sort of figured out his um his sexuality uh through seeing wrestling on tv and and figuring out that he was actually incredibly attracted to um um the anvil um neidhart um you know <laughs> of the Hart foundation right um bret hart's you know brother-in-law or whatever yeah, yeah yeah he was just like who is this hunk of man and it it totally changed his life um, when he was quite young, and I just find that amazing. That, that is amazing. Yeah, like it was this total perspective shift, you know. And um, it's sort of been, you know, wrestling's obviously his comic is about wrestling and and heavy metal, and you know, God, what a great combination and um, complete <laughs> change in his life, his, his you know his whole whole identity. You know, it's quite amazing. I find. Man. Absolutely. I mean, the whole sort of outsider side of it and the the, the, the weirdos and the, the almost like one of my favorite 
terms that I find endlessly fascinating about wrestling is is that of the carny. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's just these outsiders of society um, and, and especially like getting back to your more kind of like territory kind of mm. wrestling, um, mm. your, your classic stuff back in the day. And mm. um, the idea of oftentimes these guys, you know, being on the run from the law, you know, they'll go from one territory to another to yes. escape like some sort of charge that they've got against them. Yeah. Just a, a wild west world that I find so intriguing and, and that was, I guess, something about your art, you know, specifically if you're your wrestling art that I found so fascinating. It was the the stuff, I guess, we have a bit in common of uh, the the weird shit, you know. Mm, mm. And there there is an abundance of weirdness in in wrestling and strange stories and un, unsolved mystery kind of stuff. Um, I do love the the traveling road show aspect of wrestling. You know, you you still get. I mean, it's it's starting to change a little bit, I think, in the last 20 years. But even in the 80s and 90s, you still got a lingering sense of that. Oh, we'll be in this town tonight. Tomorrow night we'll be in that town. The next night we'll be in that big stadium over there. And just that constant kind of racking up the miles. Um, and and that's it was really like that for 100, 150 years, you know. Um, mm. And I think that. That also speaks to why wrestling is still such a prevalent um, sort of entertainment, particularly in the southern, southern states of the USA and, and Mexico and South America, you know, because that was the stomping ground of these, these troops, I guess you could call them, you know, wrestling troops. And you had this sort of um, the carnival and the sideshow and the freak show and, and all of that, you know, moving around together. And I think a lot of people also don't quite realize the impact of that that had on the theater of everything, you know, and that, that does linger to this day is the, the theater of, okay, we have to, we've, we've got your attention for maybe 10 seconds. We've got 10 seconds to get you in. And that translates to television as well. We've got 10, 20 seconds to capture your attention. You're the villain. I'm the, I'm the hero. I'm the baby face. We have to get that across really quick in really broad strokes and lure you in. And I, I, you know, that's such a format, you know, it's such a formula that, that is still like, they still have to work that because I mean, now it's, it's a shorter attention span than ever. You know, if you want to capture someone's attention, you've got to really kind of get them there and then. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because it's sort of like there's a lot of differences in the sort of modern wrestling, like you're saying, shorter attention span, but also more people kind of like in the know and knowing what to expect, mm. knowing what this is. So it gets a lot more kind of um, you know tricky and and um, I guess like uh, you know the more behind the scenes side and all that kind mm. of thing. Where there's some there's a real magic that I love about, especially like your, your 80s and 70s kind of wrestling. Where it's exactly like you're saying, it's like the carnival. It's like you've almost got the 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 guy on the uh, microphone trying to you know talk people into the the building, mm -hmm. and that's the same way that you'd watch these promos from like a Dusty Rhodes or a Ric Flair, yeah. and it's like yeah. you can actually see them talking them into the building, and it's <laughs> yeah. just that part of it. I hate to be the guy that's like you know it used to be better back then. I you know I don't mm. want to be that out of touch kind of guy, but there was such a a lost magic 
about it in that period and I think that really attracts me as a as an artist in a big way. Absolutely. It it did you know revealing kayfabe I suppose if we can call it revealing that or destroying kayfabe. I don't know what the official way of recognizing that is but that point at which kayfabe was sort of let go of what a huge paradigm shift um it must have been. I mean Again, look at that sort of '90s stuff, the Monday Night Wars. A lot of it was start. A lot of those cracks were starting to happen then, and and it, more and more wrestlers actually openly talking about behind the scenes kind of stuff and breaking kayfabe. Well, there was that that Vince McMahon uh, promo, wasn't it, yeah. in the early '90s, where he came out right. and basically told everyone, "Hey, this is a work. Just want to make sure we don't have to pay these taxes anymore." That's right. Yeah, for tax purposes. <laughs> so. Very, very interesting. Um, but it it definitely did change the dynamic for the viewer um, in a very, very big way because, I mean, even back, I've seen newspaper articles from the 20s where they're, like, questioning, was that, that was a bit fake, you know, like, they, they're questioning it, but the wrestlers are all still holding up. Yeah. I mean, they were they were big exposés at the time back yeah. then. Like, yeah. I remember reading um, in Luthez's book. You know, there were various exposés mm. and things mm. like that. Where even at his time, um, this wasn't seen by and large as being on the level by yeah. you know, most of society. Yeah, it was yeah, always yeah. seen as kind of a bit tongue in cheek. But I guess it just became a bit more overt as time went on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but now, I mean, there's no real denying it now, unless you were like a kid and you hadn't been kind of wised up yet by your dad or whatever. There's not really any way around that. Um, but in a way, like for me as an artist, that adds a wrinkle that is quite interesting in terms of, okay, what are we watching here? And, you know, the, the only parallels I've been able to find in other art forms and popular culture to wrestling in this way in terms of the spectator and their part in the drama two things that two parallels i've been able to find or think of one is some forms of theater only some forms of theater the other is pornography and let me just explain what i mean by that you as the viewer or the audience member you are in on this thing so you know that they are performing for you. So let's just, whether it's porn stars, wrestlers, or some actors, theatre actors, let's just call them performers. You know that there's a sort of, they've probably worked out a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, they'll probably stick to that, although uh, one of them might make it, make a choice at the end and go rogue and and surprise everyone, including their fellow (laughs) performers. You know what I mean? Um, So there's sort of a winking uh, participation both by the performers and and the audiences. And that's a really interesting dynamic to play with. Um, Like I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it it does sit in some theatre as well. Um, but it's harder to find that. Like, uh, I liken it to Commedia dell'arte, um, which is similar to wrestling in that the characters are preset. There's like four or five rote characters, um, and 
in the in the old days um, when when it was a very popular form, the different actors could alternate between the different roles just according to what they felt that night. They got the mask for Dottore or whoever, and that was their role for the night, and they could riff on that and play play into that. And I, I do think that that does have a continuity into, like, vaudeville and, and all of that stuff and wrestling. Um, so there's not as much of that sort of thing as there used to be, but it does still exist. Um, and there is a sort of a participatory aspect uh, for the for the audience, and and it's the same with wrestling, and it's the same with pornography. Yeah, and that's the they're the only kind of parallels I've been able to find that require that amount of kind of. Okay, I know this isn't real, but I'm going along with it, and I'm going to enjoy myself at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, it's a really interesting dynamic. So good, so good. I mean, it's all—it's all the illusion, right? Like, yeah. and the—the uh, the audience, uh, like you're saying, agreeing to participate in the the illusion and that that suspension of disbelief. That's that's the whole magic, and and I think you're right with like both of those other uh, mediums. Um, you you do have various ones where these. Uh, I guess art forms, you know, develop over time and get a bit more like, um, okay, everyone's in on the joke. Let's just, you know, you, you real like gonzo kind of stuff when mm, it comes mm. to like porn, for example, like, let's just like cut out the whole story. <laughs> gonzo is a great term that, that could be applied to wrestling or pornography or all sorts of things. Um, and is applied to those things very often. Yeah, like your, your um, Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, did mm. he actually come up with the term Gonzo? I believe so. I don't know if he coined it himself or if other people did to describe his form of sort of journalism. But yes, in one way or the other, yes. I'm actually, as you said that, I looked over to my bookshelf and saw my big Ralph Steadman book and I thought, ah, what, what timing. <laughs> Oh man, I love Ralph Steadman's art so much. I'm I'm actually currently reading um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, fantastic! Um, and the the Steadman artwork throughout is just <laughs> just so great. Yeah, he's wonderful. I I highly recommend his autobiography. It's a lot of fun. Ooh, I'll definitely have to check that out for sure. It's called The Jokes Over. Jokes over. I think that's it. The Jokes Over. That's what it's called. Okay. Cool. I'll be sure to check that out. <laughs> so I think that's an interesting thing, even in like the way wrestling looks and feels now in that mm. I think a lot of your more fast paced kind of stuff, a lot of the more, all right, let's, let's get rid of the gaga and the story and the heel face stuff as much mm. and go more towards just the, let's do all these crazy high spots and, you know, impressive kind of shit that, I mean, I love mm. that kind of stuff too. But it's just so fascinating how all of these art forms we're talking about, theatre, but I think it also extends to um, film uh, as mm. well, uh, mm. where you have some that are, you know, have more of a, a realistic vibe, but they all require the audience to kind of participate in this this illusion. I just find it it's so fascinating that all these art forms have a, a gone on a similar trajectory, um, but I guess you know, nothing changes forever. Like you can always yeah. go full circle. You can always go back to that, you know, early approach and what's old is new. And I think that's yeah, absolutely. wrestling as well. Well, and, and 
I've I've certainly been reading about a lot of smaller promotions in the USA and Mexico and also in Japan that are sort of going back to that real grassroots sort of approach and they are re-embracing kayfabe. That's how they approach it. There is a sort of, you know, a bit of a hard style um, in in what they're doing. To those of you that I don't want to, I don't mean to condescend, but if, if you're not aware of hard style, it's kind of when, you know, the, the hits, there might be a few actual punches in there, a few potatoes. Uh, you know, some of the wrestling can get a bit rough. Um, just, just sorry to, yeah, really don't mean to condescend. Um, but I have read more and more about those sorts of things. No, I, I absolutely love that stuff. And on a regular basis, uh, we'll, yeah, just lean way into that maybe a little bit too much sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's i think that's why um big van vader is one of my favorite wrestlers maybe my very yeah. favorite wrestler a he's amazing to draw but <laughs> you you watch the poor bastards that he's wrestling with and and you can see <laughs> that he he's, he really gets into them sometimes and they're sort of the expressions are like oh ah, you know you feel a bit bad for some of them Mick Foley in particular. It's so funny you say, oh man, tremendous. (laughs) But it's funny you say that Vader of all people. I was literally just this afternoon watching a really great highlight video um, that quite a talented um, wrestling video editor, a dude called IQ Wrestler, put together on um, Big Van Vader. Oh, I'll have to. Man, I was watching this about eight and a half minute video and it's just tremendous stuff. I'll I'll send you a link. Um, (laughs) Please. But um, just seeing some of this you know physicality as oh. we're saying and and the best part was that he was it's not like he would just you know take it out on the on the jobbers or the enhancement talent and then go light on the the top guys mm. he would he was a equal equal uh punisher of of all alike i saw some amazing clips of him just beating the shit out of like <laughs> antonio Inoki, rick flair hulk hogan yeah. tremendous Oh, and he was a meat axe. Like, God, what a just a big, solid chunk of human flesh. Just astonishing. Yeah, so great. I um, he's also one of my favourites to to draw, personally speaking. Mm. Um, but so that that's something I wanted to talk about as well. So I have gone through a a, a fair bit of your stuff. I wanted to say massive uh, thank you for for sending over those uh, those books, um, and I've also been you know looking through a bit of the stuff on your website and your Instagram and um, just some tremendous stuff. But there, there's certain characters that keep popping back up <laughs> that I'm yeah. noticing throughout yep. your work. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Vader being a, a key one of them. And, and mm-hmm. my gosh, I just got so much joy of uh, of just really looking at some of those. And, and that's just a <laughs> testament. Like a dude like Vader is that kind of freakish, like just <laughs> someone off the street looks at this guy and they're like, what, are you, what am I even looking at here? You know? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why certain certain characters do appear more and more um there's two main reasons one is just if they're good to draw you know like i there's certain physical types that are just wonderful to draw um you know hulk hogan you mentioned before great to draw 
Um, and I like drawing him in all his various states, even his sort of older states. Hmm. I, I really like drawing. There's a, there's a, a match. It might have been the last match he and Ric Flair had when and they're, they're, you know, getting on close to retirement at that stage. And they're still muscular, but they're sort of. I had this on my list of things to talk about. <laughs> But their flesh is sort of starting to sag a little and there's wrinkles here and there, but there's still these sort of muscles trying to poke through. Just amazing to to see that. Like it's not something you really see very often outside of like Iggy Pop or someone like that, you know. Um, so there's a, there's yeah. a, you know, I love drawing mass and form and really trying to emphasize the weight of, of these, these characters. But the other thing I'm very drawn to is tragedy. Um, I, I'm very attracted to the tragedy of some wrestlers because some of their stories are legitimately heartbreaking. Um, mm. And I find that really like you just can't help but kind of gravitate toward those those stories. So, yeah, um, they're the two things I seem to go back to again and again, sometimes together, sometimes separately. Yeah, I, it's funny you say tragedy when it comes to wrestling. Because obviously wrestling's had its, you know, fair share of tragedies. But also, mm. like, in some ways, um, I feel like the, the you know, the, the true story of a wrestler, if we're, if we're summing up, a, a you know, your, your general wrestler of, of, you know, all of the different generations or whatnot, it is a tragedy more often than not. Um, yeah, with just yeah. these highest peaks of fame and, mm-hmm. um, you know, working to, to this place that is, is not sustainable in any sense mm. and uh, a brief, you know, time in the spotlight and then and then such a, you know, downward slip down that, that slope afterwards. Mm. Obviously seen it with a lot of um, different real wrestling stories to, um, you know, I was a massive fan of uh, the Darren Aronofsky's uh, The Wrestler movie mm. with Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. and um, I'm so excited about this new Von Erichs movie for, for that same reason. But mm. there's something in it, isn't it, about the the tragedy of The Wrestler? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are we, four seasons deep in um, the dark side of the ring now? And, that you know, they, they could make another four seasons easily. Oh, I love <laughs> that series so much. Oh, it's amazing. Um, but it does it does make you realise how exploitative um, it could be, you know, because we're really talking about a sort of uh, an industry, I suppose, that sort of routinely exploited the working class and, and people that didn't have any other option um, but to lean and lean in on their unique physical attributes and just sort of, you know, mine that for for all they could. Man, exactly um, what you're saying just is screaming to me is the you know the current version of of a, a circus freak show. You know, mm, people who have mm. no option but to to go on this this traveling show to exploit their their you know physical um, attributes mm. and about them being exploited by the promoter at its very core. Yeah, yeah. I think the 80s and 90s was a really interesting period in that way because in the 80s you sort of saw the last lingering bits of that old school, you know, that sort of that old school 
um, kayfabe, traveling roadshow kind of thing. And then in the 90s, you saw it slowly being dismantled and turned into something, you know, sort of shiny and, and contemporary. Mm. Um, and I think those were, that was a really exciting 20 years of wrestling to see. Um, it's quite a different beast now. I mean, you know, not to complain too much. Like, there is some, re- like, there are some wrestlers that I will still pay attention to now. And, you know, I think there's other, there's other opportunities now outside of like WWF and for a while WCW used to be just this sort of monolith of wrestling culture, but there, there's a, seems like there's a lot more options now and like new Japan are doing amazing things. And, you know, that's really great to see. But, um, also one thing I, I do really appreciate is the push of, of women's wrestling Mm. in the last 10 years, just, amazing stuff like i always felt like there were bits and pieces of that here and there but um you know it really sort of cooled off by the 90s i don't know they just they just weren't doing very much of it you, it was you almost get, like it was they sort of this had, tna fest you know they had and, this great um like time of, of so many really talented women's wrestlers, mm. especially in the, the early 90s to mid 90s. Mm. If you've ever watched any of the Japanese women's wrestling from mm. like the 80s and 90s, just some of the best wrestling full stop regardless of gender that mm. you'll ever see in your life. Um, and uh, WWF, I remember in the 90s, was actually doing some super interesting stuff with like Alundra Blaze and she was getting to work with like some of these great mm. um, Japanese wrestling uh, female opponents. I remember they even brought over like Aja Kong. And then it was almost like this weird bit where I think there was a match where Aja Kong wrestled Alundra Blaze and it was so physical and, you know, everything that I love about an Aja Kong match that I think, the, I, I remember reading somewhere that Vince saw that and was like, oh, that's that's not what we want to present here. That's, oh, that's really? not what people want out of, you know, <laughs> their women's wrestling. They just uh, you know, want hot chicks and, and then that's how we ended the evolution uh, into Tammy, uh, yeah, Tammy then, Sitch, Sonny and Sable and all yeah, that. Yeah, Sable and Sonny, yeah, that's right, which is so sad because there was so much talent around. Like I, I was thinking of Lita the other day. God, she was an amazing acrobat, amazing. So like unique. She, yeah, but she would have fit right in with contemporary women's wrestling. Like some of those, some of those people can, God, just <laughs> astonishing stuff. Yeah. Astonishing acrobatics and physicality, you know. Yeah, it makes me very happy. Like as much as yeah, there is a bit of doom and gloom and sometimes oh, it's not what it was, blah, blah, blah. But there is a, a lot of good things about mm. current wrestling. And I think you're right. Like the the positioning of, of female wrestling, um, you know, I, I being positioned in the main event more often, I think is yeah. a great thing too. I totally. watched a, a Ring of Honor show um, this past year since it's been under uh, you know Tony Khan and, and AEW ownership. Um, and, and they had a main event of, uh, Willow Nightingale against Athena and that just absolutely blew me away for how <laughs> great it was, but also seeing the positioning of like two African American women mm. as well being spotlighted in the main event, I thought yep. was a fantastic yep. thing. Mm. So I think there is a lot of great stuff going on too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one area that I think WWE. I guess we're calling them now, have really redeemed themselves in the last 
10 years is, is with the women. Like, um, is, yeah, it's remarkable. Like that's actually, if I'm watching contemporary wrestling, that tends to be what I'm usually watching just, just because of who they've got these days and, and the level of talent, you know? Yeah. I find it really interesting that I think the, the person that inspired all of this, at least for this current women's wrestling boom that I feel doesn't get enough credit in a big way is Ronda Rousey. Mm, mm, I feel like sure. what, what she did in UFC and even getting women's fighting on that, you know, spotlights position. And then for, you know, Vince to be like, Ooh, there's money to be made here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Rousey is amazing. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some real, like, I, you know, I will watch just about anything with her in it. Um, you know, Charlotte Flair, like amazing kind of charismatic character, great, great villain, you know, great heel. Hmm. Um, I love Rhea Ripley. Like I, <laughs> I just absolutely, as soon as I saw her, I was like, who the hell is that? And um, I, I don't think I've drawn her yet, but I must. Um, Ooh, that would be super interesting. Oh, she's just a tank. And she, in a lot of also, ways, kind of like a chi- current version of um, of China, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but vi- also very charismatic and, you know, like she's got that. She's a good talker and all that. And I, I love that she's Australian as well. That's really fun. Yeah. The Australian thing is quite fascinating to me because I – was thinking about this and from no actual planning of this this wrestling art podcast for these curator episodes that I'm doing um the the first uh artist that I had on was uh, Sam Evans uh, also a Australian artist from uh, Oh yeah uh, I I've I've listened to that one yeah yeah Oh nice but then the second guest also Australian <laughs> <laughs> is there like some sort of uh hub for wrestling art going on here i don't know <laughs> well uh yeah i'll 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 see if i can get you and ed ed talking um, oh, i'm man. sure he'd love to have a chat i would love that i think that'd be he, and he's the loveliest loveliest guy very generous ed is yeah oh i would love that that'd be fantastic um i mean the so the australian thing i think is fascinating because in a big um, like way of thinking about it, a, a professional wrestling is more of an American, you know, pop culture export. I guess in Australia, I mean, probably before our day, we actually had a, an amazing history of mm. professional wrestling over here with um, Jim Barnett's World Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, doing that loop of all the big cities every week, but yep. basically the the biggest wrestling territory in the world at the time, uh, business wise. Um, and then it, it kind of fell off, um, and in a big way, Australian wrestling kind of lost any sense of identity and then it just kind of became, uh, all right, when are the Americans coming to town? Um, and it it is nice seeing all these grassroots, um, promotions happening though in the last sort of 10 years. Like I've been absolutely loving that. Um, there's some really, really talented wrestlers here in Rockhampton. Uh, I, I, before I was here, I was in Townsville. There's some great, great stuff happening in Townsville. Um, and I like they're the ones I've seen, but I know that there are others happening all over the place, which is just fantastic. 
Yeah, it's definitely getting more of a spotlight now than it has in a, a long, long time. And um, some Australians abroad, like you're saying, between Ray, Ray Ripley or, um, or you know, a whole variety of, of different wrestlers with Jonah Rock or um, Bronson Reed, I think he's wrestling as in WWE, um, the TMDK boys. Um, so many dudes doing so much great stuff on the big stage overseas. I think it's a fantastic thing. But so... You mentioned about the Rockhampton scene. I'm very fascinated about this. So I mentioned in the intro the the wrestling art show that you put mm. together. Now, you sent me some um, pictures of this, and I am so incredibly jealous I didn't get to see this in person. <laughs> this looked like it was absolutely amazing. So you curated the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, before we finish off, I kind of want to know a bit about that. But getting sure. into it, um, you actually had – some live wrestling there as part of it? Yeah, how, did, we do. how did this come together? <laughs> well, um, I knew I'd, I, had a, I hadn't been here very long when I booked this exhibition and I thought, gee, we, we need some live wrestling, at <laughs> least for the launch, you know. So I, I asked around and everyone was, oh, yeah, yeah, there's this, there's this live wrestling group here. At that time, they were sort of, they'd broken off from, I think, the QWA. Mm -hmm. um, and wanted to go independent, um, still work with QWA, but um, have their own thing going on. And so they were rebranding as um, Wrestling Allegiance Rockhampton or War, which is a wonderful, um, wonderful sort of portmanteau for their for their business. Um, and they've now got a, the, the killer logo, like the, their, their logo is the envy of all the other promotions in Queensland, I think. <laughs> um, but we were lucky enough to get them with their debut uh, show at our launch. So it was actually the first WAR launch um, wow. with, with our exhibition. Um, so basically I said to them, look, you perform at our launch, we'll leave the stage in the gallery and then you 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 get a show in exchange where you can sell tickets and make some money off it and, and all of the rest of it. So they did that about a month or two later. Um, and it, it worked a treat because it was just, it was something different. Um, we came up with a great idea to sort of have a bit of kayfabe going on. So um, one of the artists, uh, Ewan McLeod, he's actually pretty, pretty, highly regarded Australian artist. He's won just about everything <laughs> that you can win, including the Archibald. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, I said, I know, I'll talk to you, because I was talking with one of the wrestlers about this, and he said, oh, you know, we should, get a, we should get a crappy painting from Crazy Clarks or something and put it on the wall, and I can smash it over someone's head. And I was like, I'll do you one better. I'll get you one to paint something. And I bet he will. Uh, <laughs> I bet he will. And we'll have it on the wall and it'll be that much more convincing. Um, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, please, please. So I, so I ring you and I, I just wanted to check out. So I ring you and up and I say, hey, you and what, what would you think about just painting something that we can take off the wall and have the wrestlers smash over <laughs> each other's head? And he, he just went, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited by this. Um, it was really, <laughs> Ewan 
you and in a funny way, I'll come back to this in a funny way. He was sort of responsible for the, the very early idea of this show, but I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, so we had this painting hanging on the wall and, and at one point the wrestlers get out of the ring. I think we had three or four different matches on the first night. The wrestlers get out of the ring. Um, and it was Dante rage. Who's this great local wrestler. He's this, meat axe guy he picked up the painting off of the wall now i hadn't told my whole team about this i <laughs> i told the install team the install team knew about it but everyone else was like they, they had no idea what was going to happen and he so when he picked it up off the wall the whole everyone just gasped collectively <laughs> <laughs> and my my boss tells this great story of him being there and his daughter was there with him and and she's going dad 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 <laughs> and then into the stage and they kind of teased it for a while it was sitting against the ropes for a bit and then it got banged around everyone's sort of relaxing a bit and then finally he picked it up boom over the head of the other wrestler and um yeah everyone just again sort of there were a few screams and a, a gasp or two because it was great it had a it had a label on the wall and everything you know oh and my gosh. Uh, and then at the end of the, at end of the night, because it was the last match from memory, um, one of the wrestlers kind of gingerly went and sort of hung it back on the wall in tatters. <laughs> and we, uh, we left it there, you know, for the duration. And um, a number of people came to the front desk through the, through the show and said, oh, just so you know, there's, a, there's an artwork there that's been uh, a bit damaged. You know? <laughs> we think there's been a bit of vandalization, you know. So it worked a treat. It worked a treat. Oh my gosh, isn't that the definition of performance art right there? <laughs> yeah, like it couldn't have gone any better. It was it was a lot of fun. Um so we had 20 artists um and you know they responded to all sorts of different aspects of wrestling from you know the theatrical to gender to the physicality to the nostalgia it was just a really, really fun show. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was wonderful to be a part of it. Um, I was saying earlier, Ewan was sort of in a funny way responsible for the genesis of the show. That was basically, you know, visiting his studio years and years ago. I noticed um, in there that he had these – he's known for his very – if you look him up, you, you probably recognise it – known for his very physical, very gestural, thick painting, just so much life in there, mm. um, figure, figurative work, figures in landscapes and all sorts. Um, but I, I noticed he, they're still there in a the studio. He had these maybe five or six very small paintings of wrestlers, and they were like old-school wrestlers, like, Kind of 50s, 60s, you know, Luthers kind of dudes, you know, like awesome. the hairy chests and, you know, they're, they're not like big gym rats. They're just, they just look like they work, you know, like they look like they could be on the wharf throwing barrels down, you know, like. Yeah, a classic wrestler's wrestler. <laughs> oh, and I was like, what are they? And he was, oh, you know, just, he, he used to go, he used to attend wrestling and watch wrestling on TV growing up in New Zealand. And um, he just always was fascinated by them, but he'd never shown them. And so ever since then, I was like, oh, I've got to figure out a way to show those 
bloody wrestlers because they were just, you know, so great. Um, and actually that, that just jumping back a little, that just reminds me, um, you mentioned sort of the golden age of wrestling in Australia. Mm. One thing that I found out more recently was that my grandfather on my dad's side used to take my dad and my aunties along to the wrestling at Festival Hall oh, when they tremendous. were really small. Yeah. And, the the and, Brisbane Festival Hall? Yeah, Brisbane Festival Hall, you oh, know. I have, and, I have the same experience of my uh, yeah family members going to, to Melbourne Festival Hall back yeah. in the day or my granddad going in, in New Zealand too. Yeah. It was huge. And, uh, you know, Dad said, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember who we saw, but I know we saw Killer Kowalski. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my amazing. God. Amazing. <laughs> and so I've got this amazing book. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's a killer. It's called 100 Years of Australian Professional Wrestling. And um, it's put together by this guy. I think his name is Libnan Ayub. Um, and he is the son of the Sheik, not the Sheik, the, the very bloody Sheik that we know, but the Australian Sheik. There was an Australian Sheik of particularly in his dad's case, a Lebanese-Australian sheik who was a very, very big wrestler here. And so he's compiled this amazing history of uh, Australian wrestling. And I, I was Gosh, actually... I need I to actually, get this book. It, it's a killer. Um, I was actually in conversation with him to, to possibly borrow some of his memorabilia for the exhibition. It, unfortunately, it didn't pan out, um, but... Very lovely guy, very generous and, and very protective of his father's legacy. But he's sort of a great wrestling historian. Anyway, that to connect the dots, I'm sorry I'm going on a bit, that book is also a key book that Ewan McLeod used a lot for his, his reference images. And um, he actually did... He actually did a painting of me as a wrestler, which which is on my wall right in front of me. <laughs> I need to see this. It's, it's, comfortable. <laughs> it's very funny. I'll send you a picture. So Please. I I've, I've, yeah, I'm I'm there in my uh, in my speedo and um, you know in classic wrestling pose. So it's it's a joy to have that on the wall. <laughs> I am so fascinated by this. Fun. <laughs> <gasps> Oh man! Well, I have had such a joy talking to you. I mean, I've I've got half of the things that I uh, I had notes about that we are definitely not <laughs> going to be able to get to. But honestly, just so much fun to to get to talk about this stuff. Um, I'd, I'd love in the the future to potentially have you on again if you'd be happy. Anytime, to do so. anytime. Awesome. Um, thank you so much. Uh, what uh, what would you like to uh, plug here, uh, like from a oh, worker gee. perspective? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm always posting on Instagram. Um, I try to put something up every day. That uh, so that's Jonathan underscore McBurney is the the handle. But if you if you type in Jonathan McBurney, you'll get it. Um, and I've got all my crap up on my website. Um, what else? I just did a show, so I can't. There's no point telling you about that because it's just come down. Um, but you know, I'm always keeping pretty busy, so there'll be there'll be. Oh, that's what I can promote. Um, got a a, a book that came out uh, very recently on on comics and literary theory um, that I co-wrote with Adam Gexie, and that is you can find that on Amazon or at uh, 
Rutgers University Press, um, their website. They've got it on their website. And I do urge you to have a look. I do. I don't get to talk about wrestling too much in that, but I do. I do talk about it a little bit in in conjunction with the Hernandez brothers. So um, I'm sure there's a few people there that might might dig that. So please check it out if you if you're so inclined. Yeah, for sure. I was actually taking a, a look at the book and uh, doing a little bit of research for the the interview, and I was quite fascinated because I, I do share a bit of your. Um, I, I wouldn't say to, to the same level, uh, a bit of a, a passion for comics and, and um, the I guess the place of, of comics, similar to what we're talking about with wrestling, mm. you know, compared to other art forms and examining it as its own sort of um, art form, really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to take a bit more of a look at that. Yeah, it's nice to be, in a way, it's nice to be disregarded um, as an art form because I feel like you get away with a bit more. Yeah, I think so. And it also makes it so much more fun for us to be able to, to use it as, as subject matter where we come mm. and be like, oh, all of these these fun, weird outcasts of, uh, <laughs> of fine art that we can bring back in under the guise <laughs> of uh, outsider art, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Im- imagine if we could get, you know, Big Ven Vader or Mick Foley or Someone like that painting, I don't know, I think we'd see some wonderful things. Oh, I hope so. Finishing, <laughs> finishing up, I do have one question. I think I sure. now know the, the answer to it. <laughs> this is one I want to start, you know, asking everybody when I have them on. But hand to heart, who is your favourite wrestler to draw? Or to draw? I, I'd have to go with Big Van Vader, I think. Nice. I'd have, I'd have to go with Big Van Vader. Yeah, just... Such a meat axe, like he's got that combination of sort of bulk and muscle, you know, like it's not that gym muscle, it's just like man muscle, brute strength, you know. He looks like one of those guys, you know, who's the guy, the mountain, you know, he, he played the mountain on Game of Thrones, and he's oh, uh, yeah, yeah, does you know, those crazy, ridiculous strongman competitions where they're like lugging logs and huge boulders around and all that ridiculous stuff that that's what i love when they're just like this sort of slab you know none of this none of this constructed you know perfect gym stuff i like the the meat axes me too i feel like (laughs) wrestling wrestling going forward we need to disregard get away from the abs get back (laughs) to the girthy just big big old boys yeah, I love. I love. Um, is it? Oh, what's that guy's name? Um, I love Braun Strowman. He's a he's a contemporary <laughs> guy. He's great. He's just like this massive redneck, bloody meat axe. He's hilarious. Tremendous. Great. To, I need to draw him too. I've got a, all these people I need to draw now. Oh, please, please! I want to see it, <laughs> and I want to give props to that absolutely incredible. Uh, there's an artwork that you did of uh, Vader covered in the the crimson mask. <laughs> oh, it just brought me so much joy and captured so much of that whole physicality and gruesomeness and just oh, all about it. Oh, thank well you very much. That's a recent one. Thank you very much. Oh, very welcome. But no, thanks again. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a, a, a great uh, evening and it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, dude. Cheers. Ah, 
My gosh, that was that was just so nice. <laughs> just a delight, and and really what I uh, yeah, kind of what I was hoping that this podcast would be. You know, I don't know where else I would get to have that kind of like philosophical chat about wrestling art as a as a medium um man just so happy i I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i did it was bloody lovely man massive massive thank you to uh jonathan mcburney there um just would definitely definitely have to get him on um my word uh but uh we, we do have uh some uh some uh, plugs excuse my own to get to here um so uh as always you can keep up with all of the things of wrestling art um on the the socials at chris things uh, on both instagram and, and twitter for all the updates about the show uh instagram also has a variety of my own wrestling art that, that you can check out um there's also christhings.com.au uh, my website where you'll be able to, to actually purchase a, a whole bunch of my work and just, just check it out. Have a little have a little gander, you know? Shit. Um, you know, we've got uh, some prints, we've got some original artwork, we've got calendars, uh all sorts of stuff. Um, but I I truly appreciate you guys uh, for for listening to the show, uh, for for supporting in in any way that you choose to. Um, you guys doing that, you know, is is basically uh, in encouraging and and supporting the the creation of more uh, batshit weird nonsense art uh, of of my own of of the wrestling variety uh, often. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to say a massive thank you. Uh, if, if you're, you're digging the podcast, I, I certainly appreciate that as well. Um, you can, uh, please, please make sure, uh, if you can, that you, you subscribe to the, uh, Chris things, uh, wrestling art with Chris things, uh, channel. Um, if you feel like it, leave a review, you know, that, that helps apparently. Uh, but also if, if you're digging it, I mean, I, I don't know what friends that you might have that might be into this thing, but if if you possibly do have that that very specific type of friend that might dig wrestling art, please why not tell them about this uh, podcast? I'd, I'd certainly appreciate that. More um more ear holes on this thing is is definitely a good good deal. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly just want to thank you for, for your, your loyalty and tuning in and listening to this stuff, because um, I'm, I'm certainly having a lot of fun and, and hopefully we can do a, a bit more. Um, but no, that, that's about it. Uh, massive thank you guys. Um, we will, you know, plan to have more of these wrestling art curator episodes uh, interspliced in the near future in addition to our more regular match of the week uh, episodes um and uh like i said on the other episode i think even getting some some workers on some wrestlers on to talk about wrestling art from from a wrestler perspective i think that'll be super interesting too so stay tuned big things ahead uh but yeah thanks again guys and i will see you 
uh, I, very soon for our match of the week episode. Do the hammer locks, guys. Bye. I do the hammer